Welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues with you until 6 o'clock tonight. Of course, getting ready for the monster matchup over in Iowa City with the Badgers coming to town. Stakes in the first place for the Big Ten West and certainly the inside path of making their way to Indianapolis on the line. Joining us right now from Madison.com, the Madison State Journal, is Jason Galloway. Jason, good afternoon. How are things? Good. How are you? Doing well, and uh, obviously very excited about the matchup Saturday night in Kinnick Stadium. A little bit maybe of the shine on the national scale, scale though, was uh, taken away with the Badgers' loss to BYU over the weekend. Take us back to Saturday. BYU, you didn't anticipate they were going to be as bad as they were a year ago, but how big of a surprise was it, BYU getting that victory? It was really surprising. I don't think really anyone saw it coming. I actually had a funny feeling about the game Saturday morning. I told a couple of people and um, just just had this feeling that, that BYU might pull off a shocker, but it wasn't really based on anything. I, I picked Wisconsin to win by 21 points, and I think you know most people did as well. And um, you know when, when the game started, it was just you know the defense was was making some uncharacteristic mistakes. Uh, BYU was taking advantage. Um, you know, a, a big interception from Alex Hornibrook near the start of the third quarter, gave BYU a, another touchdown that that was ended up being really big in the game. And the offense just couldn't quite get the running game going like they normally do. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I think that it's, just, it's just one of those games where no one played well. And I think BYU is probably, you know, quite a bit better than, than they were last season as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see for both these teams, BYU and Wisconsin, what's, what direction their season goes. Is BYU going to be better than and everyone thought and be a be a top twenty five team this year. Maybe the loss doesn't look as bad for Wisconsin as we think. And is Wisconsin going to be able to bounce back against Iowa, or are they going to lose a second straight and kind of have their season go into a little bit of a tailspin here? You know, going back and watching the game, watching it Saturday with a, a couple of my Badger family friends. Of course, they were none too pleased about it. The thing that leapt off the page, though, and the television screen was just the physicality that BYU played with and. Though Wisconsin still was able to run the football and and at times make plays defensively, it wasn't the same physical style that we're used to with Wisconsin. Did you see it the same way uh, against BYU? Yeah, I definitely think BYU was able to uh, to physically get after Wisconsin, and it, it's not it's not too often you you find teams that that uh, can match Wisconsin's physicality. I think BYU's you know. I think BYU's offensive line is maybe a little better than people give it credit for. I think that's kind of the strength of their their offense in a lot of ways, and and they were really taking it to um, a front seven that has a that's has some inexperienced guy up, guys up front uh, in the Badgers defense. They they play a couple of retro Russian on the defensive line who are still getting to getting getting used to playing uh, week in and week out, and I think they they took advantage of that matchup a little bit. And um, yeah, I, I, this is this is a physical BYU team, and, and they definitely definitely showed that on Saturday. So with that, you mentioned uh, the inexperience of that front seven and the 3-4 defense. It's been a problem for Iowa throughout the years. What's gone wrong there? I know Van Ginkle's been a guy that's been talked about a lot here this week, an Iowa kid that made the decision after going to junior college for a year to make his way to Wisconsin. What's the latest on Van Ginkle and just the, the health of that front seven? Yeah, well, J- Jim Leonard, uh, the defensive coordinator, told us on, on Wednesday that uh, Van Eagle's just been limited so far in practice this week, so so not a whole lot of information on, on whether he might play or not. He's he's officially listed as questionable on uh, on Wisconsin's injury report, so we're going to have to wait and see on him. I mean, I think I think it would be a big loss if he's not able to go. They definitely could have used his 
especially his pass rushing at points in that BYU game. He went out really early in the game, and I think he only played five snaps before he went out. And 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 they also BYU also broke off a big you know forty yard run uh, to to the side where Van Ginkle's replacement was playing uh, right after he went out as well, and that led to to their first touchdown. So. Um, I, I think he's he's definitely their best outside linebacker right now, and and, and against a, a good running team like like Iowa, I think they're going to need uh, need need a guy like that in there. They, I think I think this is going to be a really tough game at Kinnick, and, and they're going to need all hands on deck. And, and I think Fingink will be uh, it would be really big for Wisconsin if he is able to go. You know, one more thing. Uh, back to the BYU game for a moment with you. Jason, uh, I, I was listening to a few of the clips from the game uh, from the players. It didn't feel like, I don't know, maybe it's my vantage point. You could help me out. You were in the locker room. It didn't feel like they were overly down. It's a loss, but for a team that came in with expectations, not just battling for a Big Ten crown, but even bigger than that, the the quotes and the, and the things that I listened to afterwards didn't seem as down as I, I was expected. Take us into that and uh, just your vantage point after the loss. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was thinking too. After the game, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised that they weren't more devastated, honestly. And I think that, I, I guess that's a good sign when you look at, you know, kind of looking to have having to bounce back and move forward here. Um, it, it didn't seem like even right after the game, you know, I, I'm sure people, you know, they, they were upset, but but it's not as if um, I've been I've been in the in the interview room with with the same team a couple of times where. Where it was just complete devastation. The uh, couple of the Big Ten championship games, uh, the last couple of years, you know, against Penn State in 2016, um, when they blew a big lead. That I mean, that was just uh, just total devastation in the interview interview room, and you could tell people were just uh, some of some of the players were just completely uh, distraught by it, and that just wasn't the case here. And, and I kind of expected a little something a little bit different with with kind of the college football playoff goals they have and how that. That's probably gone now for them. I guess if they went out, you know, and, and win the Big Ten as a twelve and one team, they they could still get in. But I, I definitely don't see them being able to do that after watching them play this last game against BYU. So I, I, some of their goals might be gone, but but they seem like they are still pretty upbeat about trying to bounce back against Iowa, and, and they realize that they still have an opportunity to win the West. You know, they're still oh and zero in conference play, and if they win this game, they get a leg up on on trying to get another crack at at a Big Ten title in Indianapolis this year. So what's the vantage point from the Wisconsin side of things, Jason, when they look at Iowa? The Hawkeyes off to a 3-0 and start, uh, played very well in the second half of their games to this point, and finally got the passing game going against you and I over the weekend. What is Wisconsin saying about Iowa? Yeah, well, I, I think they're really just saying, you know, this is, uh, we know what we're going to get from Iowa. Yeah, I think I think a lot of, uh, a lot of BYU showed them at least uh, BYU's offense. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of trickery in there. You know, they ran a lot of jet sweep. They ran a lot of misdirection. Uh, and Wisconsin was out of position a lot, and it seemed like they weren't as prepared for that uh, for that BYU defense schematically as as much as you would hope. And I think that this is a little bit different game in the sense that they know what they're getting from Iowa. You know, I mean, I think Iowa doesn't really try to. Um, Line up and try to deceive you as much as BYU is going to. They're going to they're going to line up and try to um, try to do what they do well. And I think Wisconsin is sort of the same type of team. And I, I think you know in the past we've seen for most of these Wisconsin Iowa games recently that um, you know, I, I think both these teams, no matter kind of you know no matter what the rankings are, I think I think it's going to be a tough physical game on both sides. And you know I I think you look at last year's game was thirty eight to fourteen, and, and Wisconsin really just 
dominated Wisconsin's or Iowa's offense, but um, I don't think it's going to be the same type of game this time around. This this defense is a little bit different uh, for Wisconsin than last season, and it's going to be a really interesting game to see see kind of what happens here. And and this is this is Iowa's first really big test of the season too. I mean, they they did play Iowa State, but I think Wisconsin even after the loss to BYU is a, a little bit different different animal, a little bit different uh, level of competition than maybe Iowa State was. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think right now it's, it's a little bit hard to tell exactly how good Iowa is as well. So I think this is going to be a good measuring stick for, for both teams to kind of see where they're at. Jason Galloway with the Wisconsin State Journal joining us here as we preview Iowa-Wisconsin 7.30 kick on Fox Saturday night. Jason, from there, a couple of uh, questions on individual players from Wisconsin, starting with the quarterback, Alex Hornibrook. And you talk about that, that second-half interception that he had, the numbers we saw a year ago. There's been continued murmurs out there about, boy, uh, with that system and the running game that you have, can't you find anything better at the quarterback position? Has there has there been a call for the backup? You know, at a lot of college campuses, the backup quarterback can be the favorite guy out there. Has that been the case for Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, I, I think that, well, I think there's always uh, there's always a call for the backup at Wisconsin. I feel like uh, <laughs> I, they were they were calling for Jack Cohen all of last season too, mm-hmm. uh, the number two quarterback here, and I, I don't think. I don't think Hornibrook, you know, he's had a couple bad moments, but I think overall he's played relatively well. I thought the first two games of the season he actually played, he actually had some, some decent games. Um, I think he had one kind of weird interception in the, you know, in the, in the second game there against New Mexico, but, but all in all those first two games were, were pretty solid from him despite only passing the ball 11 times against, against New Mexico. But, you know, the BYU game wasn't, wasn't as good. He's 18 to 28. Um, and through through a really bad interception, I I think that's the one thing you want to see from him is is just to cut down on those those bad interceptions. You know, the maybe not as much the one against New Mexico where his arm kind of hit hit somebody's helmet, but but uh, the one against BYU it seemed like he was just a, a really poor throw and poor decision. And and it, that was the beginning of the third quarter where BYU started their next drive on the on the Wisconsin twenty seven yard line and went in went into the score to go up twenty one to to fourteen. That was a big moment in the game, and you. Uh, you just want to see him eliminate those mistakes after having uh, 15 interceptions last season, and now now two in the first three games here. So, I I think he's he's still a I think he's probably a little better than fans give him credit for. It's just a, it's just a matter of, of eliminating those those couple throws a game that, that you'd like to have back. You know, that I think if if they if, if Wisconsin if Gaglianoni goes on to make that field goal at the end and, and Wisconsin wins the game or or, or if they're able to uh, to punch that in the end zone at the end, I, I think people view his game a lot differently because he did play extremely well on that final drive. They 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 started inside their own ten yard line and he drove them in a field goal range and made a lot of a lot of nice throws and a lot of difficult plays uh, to get them in that position. So it's just a little unfortunate that that the kick didn't go in and you know he he, he just got to get rid of those those, those bad mistakes. Rafael Gaglione had an opportunity even as bad as it was for that game to tie it up. He misses, and one of the best kickers in the Big Ten missing that kick. You anticipate a big bounce back from him, though. Nothing lingering, and especially if this game does come late to a field goal in the fourth quarter, him going out there, should Badger fans feel confident? Yeah, I think so. He you know, he actually already has a school record for for game-winning kicks. He's made four game-winning kicks in his career. Um, you know, that was the first time he's he's really missed in that situation, and it was pretty surprising, but it didn't seem like it affected him too much. You know, he was actually, um, you know, standing in front of the tunnel as, as the team was, was walk, it was walking off and sort of apologizing to everybody. But, 
uh, kind of all of his teammates as they went to the tunnel. And, and he's just, he seems like, you know, uh, a guy that really just, just faced up to missing the kick and, you know, willingly came into the media room and answered every question we had about it. And it seems like as a, as a fifth-year senior who's, who's been in that spot a lot, I don't think you'll have to worry about him too much. He's actually only a couple couple field goal makes away from from breaking the the career record for field goals as well. So he's he's a guy that's been around a long time, and and I don't think Wisconsin fans will have to worry about him too much. Jason, appreciate the time here today. Should be a fun one. Uh, excited to get over to Kinnick Stadium for a night game. I, I, you know the history. Ohio State last year, Michigan the year previous, Penn State a few years before that. Now it's not a top five team coming in now with the Wisconsin loss, yeah. but excited to get over and it'll be your first time seeing the wave also. Yeah, you know, I, I have been to the last, the last two Wisconsin-Iowa games at, at Kinnick, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't been there for, for a night game yet, so I, I hear it's a little bit different uh, atmosphere and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's already those, those couple games I've been to and uh, that weren't night games were already already a great atmosphere, so I'm really excited to see kind of what Kinnick has to offer on Saturday. Should be a good one. Looking forward to it. Thank you for your time today, Jason. Anytime. Thank you. There's the Badger. There's the Badger beat with Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal. Always good getting that different perspective, where things sit, how they're feeling in Madison as they make the short track down for the matchup on Saturday night. Love preview in this game. Should be an excellent one. Can we kick it off already? Boy, this week is dragging on. Let's get through it, folks. Let's get some football. We've got football tonight. Browns and Jets. Okay, all right. It's football. Westwood 1 has it. Those upstart Cleveland Browns. Oh, one and one Do they get win number one? Does the Bud Light get unleashed? We'll find out tonight. Get your tickets now. Westwood won coverage this evening with the Browns and the Jets on 1700. Quick timeout back with more. Taking you up until 6 o'clock, Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Time now to talk to our Big Ten Conference insider. He is located in Ohio. He's covered the league for a very long time. He knows it incredibly well. It's our buddy Ken Silverstein who joins us here today. Ken, it is, uh, as you can imagine, a pretty big week here in the state of Iowa. Hawkeye fans are a little pumped up with the Badgers coming to town. Well, you know what's amazing? And, you know, you look at a schedule and, you know, when it comes out and, you know, you look at the non-con, at least I do, I look at the non-conference first and try to figure out, all right, who's playing somebody legit like Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, TCU, rivalry game in no particular order. you got the likes of um, Iowa and Iowa State. Those are all, for different reasons, attractive matchups. And then just figure out, okay, now let's get into the non-conference. Who's playing who? When are they playing? I mean, you know that Michigan-Ohio State is always going to be at the end of the year, and there's some other quote-unquote rivalry games that are at the end of the year. But to have a game of this magnitude, this early, still in September, where the winner puts themselves, I want to say in the catbird seat, because it's almost ridiculous to say in late September, with literally two months to go, but I think you see where I'm going with yep. this. Hawkeyes win this game, other than Penn State, which is going to be difficult, but it also is a revenge game for Iowa because we all remember what happened, you know, in Iowa City, you know, with um, McSorley making the big pass and the Nittany Lions winning that game with just, what, a couple ticks left. So it's a revenge game for Iowa on the road, obviously. So my point is, if Iowa wins this game, and I think they are, they're at home, okay, 
I saw Wisconsin last week. I know you watched mm-hmm. Wisconsin last week. And you stop Jonathan Taylor, and you make the QB beat you, particularly downfield. And I got to tell you, I like, I like Hawkeye's chances. Now, they got to be a little bit more. They need to score some points or score points against a team that I know is going to play good defense. Okay. And this is the first team. Yeah, I guess Iowa State's pretty good. It's a rivalry game. I get, I get that, but this is still a step up. And so I want to see, I want to see Iowa's offense really purr a little bit, have some good balance, get the ball downfield a little bit, get Noah Fan obviously very much involved early, middle and late because he's a matchup uh, problem for everybody in the Big Ten. I think Iowa's going to win. And if they do win, and let's say I'm right for this conversation, I tell you what, it puts them in a really good position because other than Penn State, I look at the rest of the schedule and go, who's going to beat them? Right. I mean, I guess they could lose, but they probably shouldn't lose. So uh, to have this type of game on, what, September, what is, uh, 22nd? Yeah, it would be. September 22nd is really remarkable. And then I would say the following week, Ohio State travels to face Penn State at Happy Valley. The winner of that game, you can make a hell of an argument, is going to win the East. Mm-hmm. So you have literally in back-to-back weeks in the month of September, the Big Ten West and the Big Ten East could be decided before we even get to October 1st, which to me is remarkable. Yeah, it really is that that somebody is going to have that kind of inside position in a league where you played nine conference games and it could be decided before we even flip the calendar to October. You know, you mentioned the Iowa schedule. It's not overly daunting outside of that road trip to Penn State, but it is odd. After they play this game against Wisconsin, they have the bye week next week, and then four of their next five are on the road, and I don't care who you are, you play a stretch like that against anybody, that's going to be taxing, and I do wonder how Iowa gets out of it. At Minnesota, who hasn't lost. At Indiana, who hasn't lost. Maryland in the middle at home, and then the road game at Penn State and at Purdue. It's just an odd schedule, four out of the five on the road. Yeah, it, it is funky. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It is weird. And then you, you throw in, you know, the teams are playing during that stretch. Uh, look, uh, I'm not convinced Minnesota, particularly with the injury to the running back, with a freshman basically walk-on QB. I know, I know what they've done so far, but... I know it's a good one against Fresno State. I get that. And Fresno State, I think, what, won, uh, won 10 games last year. But I'm not convinced, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Purdue, I'm surprised they're 0-3. But when you look at the three losses, they're by, what, less than 10 points, give or take? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if, if he can save their season, okay? You know, you start losing games, and six or more wins starts to become a little bit more Difficult, and it's difficult to keep the kids from having a season where you go, I don't know, just throw out a number here, four and eight, okay? So they're right, they're, they're teetering right now at Purdue. I'm shocked they're 0-3, but you are who you are, uh, record-wise. So it is a strange schedule, but defense travels. It's an old cliche, but it's true. And, no, I, look, Stanley's not the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody unless you are just a rabid, rabid fan and totally drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, but he is upper echelon. And so you travel your defense, and if your quarterback doesn't throw picks and is more than competent, I think he is, uh, and he can run the ball a little bit, if not better than that, 
and you have arguably the best tight end in the Big Ten, I think he is at this point, then, yeah, you, you still can lose a game, Trent, but because you beat, let's say, for argument's sake, you lose to Penn State. And that's, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. It's very possible to go into Happy Valley and lose. They're that good, and particularly if it's a night game, as tough as I was that night at home, Penn State is really tough at home, you know, under the lights with those hundred some thousand crazies going crazy. So, you know, if you if they beat Wisconsin and still lose to I don't know, let's say Penn State, they're still in great shape. They're still in great shape because of the head to head situation. So these two matchups in the next two Saturdays in Iowa City and in Happy Valley are really I mean Crucial is an understatement, and it sounds silly to say it in September, but it's head-to-head. This is for the top spot in the West, a week later for most likely top spot in the East. Now, Michigan State Michigan will have a say in the East, no doubt. But in the West, I don't believe in Minnesota. Northwestern's not going to do it. Purdue's not going to do it. Nebraska's not going to do it. I think you catch my drift. Who's going to do it? Illinois's not going to do it. So at this point, you you look at the situation and you say, man, oh, man, if we can win this game and just take care of business otherwise, Indianapolis is very doable. It really is. Now, again, we're still in September, and it sounds strange to put this much emphasis on one game, but whoever wins Wisconsin-Iowa, Ohio State-Penn State the following week, I don't care how you spin it, Whomever the winners are, these two games are going to be in a really good position. Now, could they screw it up? Yeah, both teams or one team could. Well, there's a very good chance neither one will screw it up. And you could see. How about this? How about this to ponder? It's possible. Still a little far-fetched, but it's possible. There are a lot of games to play. How about an Iowa-Ohio State rematch <laughs> in Indianapolis? How about that, puppy? Huh? How about that to ponder? Huh? So, again, it. The odds are it probably won't happen, but if both win, meaning Iowa and Ohio State, and I think Ohio State's got the tougher chore because they got to go on the road where Iowa gets their main competition at home at night, where Penn State's going to play at night on national TV. Well, they're both on national TV now that I think about it. Iowa and Wisconsin is on the national tube, and so is uh, the Buckeyes and um, and PSU Penn State. So. Really important stuff, and uh, hopefully it's going to live up to the billing. I think it will. If we get uh, what you mentioned there, I, I think we're going to see the numbers 55-24 plastered all over the Woody Hayes Athletic December yeah. before that yeah. first Saturday you, you of can, You can mark that puppy down. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, uh, that, that if it occurs, and again, we got a lot of football to go. Sure. Okay, thank goodness we got a lot of football because it's great, uh, even though it's a down year for the Big Ten. It's still college football. Fan bases are rabid. Turnstiles hum on Saturday afternoon, Saturday nights, or a Friday night game, which I still am having. Trent, I'm having my, I'm having difficulties with these Friday night games. I really am. I have, I don't know why Illinois and Michigan State are playing on Friday night tomorrow night. I don't, I don't get it. But I didn't make it the schedule, and the commission his and his minions didn't call me for my opinion. But Friday. Or tomorrow night, I should say, uh, Michigan State looking to rebound after losing to the the fighting Herm Edwards, uh, Arizona State squad, 
we'll take Illinois, we'll take on Illinois. And, oh, my, did you see any of the Illinois game? That, that was a little bit of a gag job at Soldier Field. Yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness, come on. Could you just, could you hold on to a lead, please? Lovey, please, for your own employment, could you just hold on to a lead? And obviously they didn't, and uh, so they're now uh, two and one. Michigan State cannot lose this game. They just cannot, okay, and I don't think they will. Uh, they got better quarterback play. They got better defense. They got better players. Uh, they got a better coach. So that would be a shocker if the Illini upset Michigan State. But we'll see. It's strange. It's a Friday, it's a Friday night uh, affair. Talking with Ken Silverstein right now as we take a look around the Big Ten. So we got the big one, big one this week, big one next week, West East. This is a cross divisional matchup. And it's more exciting as it pertains to the history. Nebraska-Michigan, 21 years ago, 1997, the split national championship. Game aside, I think we all believe that Michigan's going to win this thing pretty handily, especially if Adrian Martinez isn't able to go. But, Ken, I want to get your perspective. Take me back to 1997. Who do you believe would have won that game if we would have got the championship we all wanted? Wow, 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 wow. That is a great question. Both teams were loaded back then. Man, oh, man. Um, obviously, unprovable, but an opinion. <laughs> now, I didn't go to either school, so I'm not biased in one way or the other. I'm going to go with Nebraska because the system they were running then was, um, was different, was difficult to... Um, get ready for. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both had really good athletes across the board. Um, it wouldn't have been a blow. It would have been a very close game. would have been, in my mind, less than a touchdown. Uh, can't prove it, but I'm going to go with Nebraska. That's what popped in my brain uh, first, that I would go with uh, Husker Nation, that they would uh, win uh, that affair, which uh, now feels like a lifetime ago. Yikes, 1997. That is a long time ago, but yeah, I'll pick Nebraska. It's uh, very interesting, and, and my perspective is this. If this would have been played you know, right after the regular season and you get this game, I, I'm with you. I take Nebraska. But give Michigan, and back in that, those days when the Big Ten Conference schedule ended a lot of times even before Thanksgiving, giving them six weeks to prepare yeah. for that Nebraska offense, I think I t- might take Michigan in it, but it's, it's so great. It would be so compelling. Oh, it would, be. it would be. Well, here's the thing about the five or six weeks prep. And I see what you're saying, and you're, and you're right chronologically, there's no doubt about it. But when you don't run that type of offense, you have to have your scout team run it against your, quote, number one defense. Mm-hmm. And your scout team isn't going to be very good at it because they don't run it every day. And so, yes, you see it somewhat, but you don't see it from the speed standpoint and the talent standpoint. You see it from a formation standpoint, and it is a help. There's no doubt about it. It is a help to have, let's say, that five or six weeks. But it, you'll hear coaches say all the time, when we face something unique, like, um, like something like um, Navy runs, for example, mm-hmm. okay? if you have one week to get ready for it, it's a nightmare. If you have, let's say you play them in the opener and you have all offseason, again, it's difficult to do it because you don't do it. It's not what you do offensively or defensively. And so you can, you can put your people in place, but it's just very difficult to mirror it from an execution standpoint, 
a speed slash talent standpoint. So you're right. I, I think it would have helped Michigan a little bit, but I, I think you see where I'm going with this. It, it's, it's hard to mirror it when you don't recruit those kind of players, mm-hmm. you don't run that system, and you're asking your backup players as a scout team to run it against your ones and twos, more importantly your ones, to get ready for, in this example back in 97, um, to go up against, let's say, what Nebraska was running uh, you know, at that stage of their program. So would have been nice to have seen it, but we'll see it Saturday and yeah, I, I think um, it's going to be a long day for Huskers. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the young freshman QB. I think if he plays and he's healthy, I think they got to punch his chance. But if they go with the uh, the walk-on, um, I think it's going to be a long day for Scott Frost and the boys. Yes, no doubt. No doubt about it at all. So those are uh, some of the bigger matchups of the week in the Big Ten. Anything else intriguing to you? Of course, Urban Meyer will be back on the sidelines in that exhibition with Tulane. Yeah. I, I mentioned Indiana a little bit earlier as they are undefeated. They welcome in Michigan State, who certainly hasn't been great to this point. Give the Hoosiers a shot. Um, Tom Allen's doing a really good job. And, you know, they're, 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 they're more balanced than they have been the last few years when – when Kevin Wilson was the coach, he's now offensive coordinator at Ohio State. When Kevin Wilson was at IU, they were really good offensively and not very good defensively. So then he gets jettisoned due to circumstances. Tom Allen comes in, and it seemed early on in his regime that the defense was better than the offense. Now this year, granted early on, no doubt about it, they seem to be better balanced between both sides of the ball. That usually means you're going to win more games. And, you know, they're halfway there to a bowl game. And when you're at IU and you're at a basketball school, that's the first thing you're thinking of. You're thinking, can we get to six? <laughs> okay, if we get to six, we get, a, you know, we get a road trip, bowl game, a little bit of cash, a little bit of TV exposure, helps our recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I haven't looked at the rest of their schedule in regards to a breakdown week by week by week. But what I've seen so far, this is, yeah, this is, the best Indiana team I've seen in a lot of years because of the balance. Look, they've had a better running back. They've had a better quarterback. They maybe have had a better linebacker or safety or, or whatever, an offensive lineman here or there because they had sent some guys to the pros over the last few years uh, at those positions. But I think from top to bottom, when you just look at 22 starters and a, and a punter and a, let's say a place kicker, make it 24 guys, um, this this appears to be a pretty good, to maybe better than pretty good Indiana team. And because of that, you know, look, are they going to beat Michigan? No. They're going to beat Penn State? No. They're going to beat Ohio State? No. But can they beat pretty much everybody else on their schedule, not looking at who they play crossover-wise? Yeah, I think they got a shot. There's no reason why they cannot win. I didn't think I'd do this before the season began. Six would be a disappointment when you're already halfway, halfway there. I, I could see him win seven, maybe maybe a little bit of luck, eight. You win eight games in Indiana, they're going to be building a statue <laughs> in front of the football complex, okay? Move over, move over Bobby Knight and everybody else that they built statues for, for hoops, okay? I mean, you win at eight there. I mean, we're not talking about it. You know, you win eight 
and Michigan, that ain't going to do it. You went eight at Ohio State, that ain't going to do it. You went eight at Penn State right now, that ain't going to do it. And I'll tell you what, you, you went eight at Michigan State most years, and the alumni are not going to be happy. But you went eight at Indiana, hmm, they start putting up dollar bills or, you know, 15s or not 15, five tens and 20s with Tom Allen's face on it. That's how popular Tom Allen would be in, uh, in Bloomington if they could win. Let's say they could win eight games. I'm not sure they can, but they're at least at three at this point. They're in the wrong division for it, that's for sure, to, to try to make that leap up and get to that point. Talk about well, that's the problem. That's the problem, Trent. These teams like Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana, mm-hmm. how, how can they do it? And I, don't, I think you agree with me. I, I, it's hard to say what's, where somebody's going to be in five years. It's hard to even say with the world we live in today what's going to happen 15 minutes from now, okay, because of the, just the craziness we live through uh, these days. So it's hard to say with total 100% being emphatic, but I'm going to do it anyway. What the hoot? Uh, what, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan are ever going to slip? Uh, could it happen for one year? I guess it could. I guess if some strange stuff occurs, yeah, one year I guess it could occur. But if you're going to see these programs really drop, you need to see them drop for three, four years consecutively, and I don't, I, I don't see it happening. I just, just don't see it. Uh, so if you're in that second, second or third tier in the East, you're Maryland, you're Indiana, you're Rutgers, you're saying to yourself, okay, what are we going to do here? How do, we, how do we do this? And I don't think it's answerable at this point. Well, it, back in the day, it was all about the Rose Bowl, and for programs like that, maybe it's just... To get to a Florida bowl game, get to the Outback Bowl. That's the rallying cry. And yeah, no, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you know with the Bloomin' Onion game. Okay? Right, there's nothing right. wrong with that, you know, at all. It's tasty and uh, <laughs> and it's Tampa, and you know you're away in hopefully good weather. It usually rains every time I've ever been at the Outback Bowl. It's rain, but whatever. It's still better than you know dodging snowflakes right. and 25 degrees. So there's no downside to it. What the conference needs, and we've talked about this in the past is somehow to balance this thing out. Will it ever happen? Who knows? Um, but it's great that I was making a big run this year. It's great that Minnesota's 3-0. It's great that some others, like Indiana's 3-0 in the East. But when the dust settles, other than Iowa at this point, um, I don't see any of the three teams I just mentioned winning 9, 10, 11 games this year. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's just not going to happen. So because of that, it would be great if this thing could be just a little bit more, you know, if you move, let's say, Michigan State, you know, to the West and you move somebody else to the East or I don't whatever. I mean, there are a lot of smarter people than me have come up with different theories of how to balance this thing out. All I know is it's not going to change, and that's the problem unless there is a change. You're going to have these four big boys in the East. You're going to have a couple in the, in the West, and... You know, let's say let's say Wisconsin wins the West again. Okay, I know Iowa fans thinking, please, no, 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 don't say that. <laughs> but just just follow me for a moment. I mean, does it get a little old that Wisconsin would be in the championship game literally every year? Yes. Okay. I mean, it just gets to a point of, from a commissioner standpoint, you start saying to yourself, I don't know if this is really good that one team is winning the West every year. 
and everyone else is, you know, battling for second, third on down. And if you turn the thing upside down a little bit, and let's, what was it, um, legends and leaders, let's not name it anything. Let's just call it East and West, but let's not be just totally, what's what I'm looking for here, just totally wrapped up with the geography of it, okay? So what if it's a little whack, okay? No one's going to take you to court and send you to jail if you move one or two teams from the east and move them into the west and do vice versa. You're not going to go to jail. You're not going to go to the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth because the commissioner decides to, you know, tinker again with the, um, with the divisions to make them what appears to be more evenly balanced. But I don't foresee it. So for the time being, Hawkeyes take on Wisconsin on Saturday, and that is, oh, by far, it is the biggest game uh, in the Big Ten, and it's one of, got to be, one of the top, I don't know, how many, three, four biggest mm-hmm. games nationally from uh, one coast to another. It should be a good one. Ken, we'll talk about it next week. Have a good one. Have a good one, Trent. Again, Ken Silverstein on the Big Ten. Quick timeout back with more Jimmy B and TC continues here on 1700 KBGG. Out of time with you on a Thursday. Trent Cotton, another solo edition of Jimmy B and TC. Jimmy B will be by tomorrow. He says he'll call in with his picks. I don't know if you want them. Maybe to fade them. Uh, Jimmy B struggling. He's struggling mightily. But you don't have to struggle with Mr. Brinson's picks. Hop on board with me, Trent Condon. I am a perfect 6-0 against the number with my friends over at Sports Bet Collective. Website, very low cost. In fact, you can get five picks for less than five bucks. Sportsbetcollective.com. I'm perfect. 6-0, everything verified, everything by the book. Six picks against the spread, six winners for you. Let me help you out. Doesn't cost you much. See if you can make a profit. And if not, you can yell at me. I'm good. I can take it. I'm tough. I'm not that tough. But you know what I'm saying. Like Iowa, Wisconsin, got to pick there. Like Iowa State against Akron, I got to pick there too. Simple. Sportsbetcollective.com. See if you can ride a height streak. Never bet against the streak. Is that an adage? Yeah, maybe I'm just making it up. Regardless. Hop aboard with me at sportsbetcollective.com. Coming up this evening here, Thursday Night Football gets going once again with our Westwood One coverage. We will bring you the matchup that we've all been waiting for. Jets, Browns, get your tickets now. We'll have it. It's football, and you can bet on it. You know I'll be doing that this evening. I still, I've still i said it a couple of times over the last couple of days. I struggle to lay points with Cleveland, so I'll probably jump on the Jets tonight. I may get throttled for it. I do like the college game a little bit. I do like Tulsa getting the touchdown 7.5 in some spots against Temple. Temple, big win last week. They upset Maryland. Their first win of the year for the Owls. Bit of a letdown spot. Not a big play. Maybe half unit. Jump on the Golden Hurricane. Like that more than the NFL play tonight. Baseball continues on here on a Thursday evening. Of course, we saw last night what happened with the Cubbies. Woof. That was ugly. 9-0 loss to Arizona. Now they finally get that day off, a day of rest, before 
they get started with the White Sox and they're home. They're home for extended time. Yes, they're playing on the road, quote unquote, but they're in the home city. To wrap things up, then the divisional round, more than likely after that, we'll keep an eye on it coming up this weekend. Pretty quiet night overall in baseball. We do get Yankees, Red Sox again. Tanaka against Rodriguez, the pitching matchup there. Tampa, how this team is staying alive is still beyond me. It's going to take something incredible for them still to even get in as a wild card and overtake either the Yankees or the Abes. Still, what what a story with this roster, the injuries that they had. Absolutely incredible. Philly, Atlanta, if you're into that kind of thing, maybe that'll do it for baseball. It's going to be a football night in the Conan household. Enjoyed it. We will do it again tomorrow. It's a football Friday. We'll be back starting at noon. Ken will be running by himself. He'll be all right. Folks, you don't have to worry. Ken will be okay. I put him in good hands, I hope, with Beals. I'll be back 4 until 6, Jimmy B and TC. We got picks. We got a lot going on. Yes, here we are. It's time for Vegas. I'll be back Monday. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back all over the place. You'll be hearing me all over the place. I might be on VEASAN from the South Point Casino. I'm... I'm trying to work the magic, folks. It's all we're trying to do here. I bring you some winning magic with it. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. Have a great night, everybody.